Hello and welcome to Retrospection, North Korea's favourite podcast. <laughs> Prove me wrong, Paul. <laughs> I'm in no position to, Colin. Nobody is. I saw the great about it. <laughs> in this episode, we're watching a movie that opens with a very long, slow reveal of a large ship flying overhead. That's right. We're doing Star... Nope, we're doing Saturn Free from 1980. So many films after Star Wars did that, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm going cold into this because I haven't seen Saturn 1 or Saturn 2. Neither have I, and I tried. I looked I look for them all over the place, couldn't find them anywhere. It's weird, it's like it's been removed from history. I'm not surprised. Oh, I think how bad they must have been. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to. All right. My name's Colin, and I'm not malfunctioning. You are. You might be right, though. And my name's Paul, and would you say I'm a man who could control his thoughts? Definitely not. Was that a line from the film, or just just you asking me a question? <laughs> no, it is a line from the film, yeah. Oh, okay. So, how are you doing? What? How was your week? Nothing stressed you out? No. Good, good. Anyway, gotta get on. IMDB says, two lovers stationed at a remote base in the asteroid fields of Saturn are intruded upon by a retentive technocrat from Earth and his charge, a malevolent eight-foot robot. Uh, well, the robot bit's accurate. I'm not too sure what the other stuff was. A retentive technocrat. Are they referring to Kurt Douglas? No, or... that, that's Benson, because it says... That's Benson, intrude. is it? Yeah, that's Benson. Yeah. I, oh, okay. All right, IMDb is just written by anyone, isn't it? I've no writer. Do you? No. So not anybody there. They have standards. Okay. <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, how many times did they tell you that Arnold Schwarzenegger was going to be uh, considered for a role? That pretty much pops up on every trivia thing on it. Did you know that Arnold Schwarzenegger was considered for the role of Rick in Casablanca? I didn't, but IMDb thinks it is. <laughs> in all the gin joints. <laughs> in all the world. You had to walk into mine. I'll be back. Get to the plane! Instead of <laughs> Chopper, obviously. This is the start of a beautiful friendship. <laughs> we, we could do this all night. Takes a cigar out. <laughs> the film stars Farrah Fawcett as Alex, Kirk Douglas as Adam, Harvey Keitel as Benson, but not his voice. Yeah, that was a very strange experience. I'll, I'll talk about it when it happens, but yeah, so this it completely is threw me. I, yeah, I'd forgotten. Now, we, we know Roy Dutrice. We, we talked about Roy Dutrice recently in one of our other episodes, Colin. You're going to have to remind me. Oh, I, I'm surprised I need to remind you. It was one of your favourites. He plays father in Beauty and the Beast. Oh, did we do Beauty and the Beast? We did. That blanking out. It's a very popular episode. I've had it removed <laughs> surgically. You've had the memory removed. Yes. Also, credits say Ed Bishop. Well, actually, IMDb says Ed Bishop has an uncredited role as Herding, but I don't remember seeing him. He's a voice. You know when um, the little ship flies by Saturn 3 or wherever yep. it is they are, and they start talking to the pilots... Oh, that's him. He's one of the voices, yeah. So, this is a British film. Mm-hmm. 
made by Lou Grade's ITC Entertainment. And it's one of those films that has a very troubled production. Very, very troubled. Harvey Keitel's biographer refers to this film as the nadir of his career, which, when you consider the films that Keitel has been in, that's a big statement. (laughs) I've seen a lot of Harvey Keitel films, and I think this is... This is fine compared compared to a few of them that I've seen, yeah. His voice was dubbed because he refused to take part in post-production because he hated everybody and everything in this film. Yeah, um, apparently um, there were lots of rumours about Kurt Douglas's ego running riot, about Harvey Keitel being unresponsive and uncooperative with the, t- <laughs> with the two descriptions I read. And uh, apparently um, Farrah Fawcett had a lack of personality on the shoot. Oh. And, and then there were script problems and shoddy planning everywhere, wasn't there? Well, the original director was supposed to be John Barry, the production designer. Mm-hmm. But then it was quickly realized that the scope of the film was too large for him to handle, and he was replaced by Stanley Donan, which answered a question I had because it seems an odd choice from the director of Singing in the Rain, Funny Face, and... Charade, which is known as the best Hitchcock film that Hitchcock didn't direct. Yeah. Most of his CV and his previous work contains lots of um, light-hearted comedies and, and musicals, doesn't it? I know Charade's on there as well, but it is predominantly musicals and light-hearted comedies. So he's yeah. a perfect choice for a dark, gritty science fiction horror movie, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, perfect. Fawcett says the script changed dramatically from the one that she has signed on to work with. Yeah, it was originally called The Helper, and it was about a robot that um, fell in love with someone. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think partly it changed for budget reasons because ITC had to scale it back as their other film, Raise the Titanic, was spiraling out of control. And we all know what a massive hit Raise the Titanic turned out to be, so it all worked out fine in the end, didn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, wait, no, because Saturn <laughs> Free and Ra- Raise the Titanic pretty much killed Lou Grade's company. <laughs> That's right, yeah. 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 Uh, John Barry actually went on from this to, to work on Empire Strikes Back, where he collapsed and died a few days later. Yeah, meningitis. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I read that he was only um, in his early 40s, and I saw a picture of him, and he must have had a hard life. As hard as yours? Oh, but never as hard as mine. Kurt Douglas apparently stepped in a few days, didn't he? And directed a a few little bits and pieces along the way. He did? Mm. Who says that? Kirk Douglas? (laughs) I did everything. (laughs) Yeah, who is me? I'm the robot. (laughs) I would imagine, though, that if Kurt Douglas said that he wanted to do a particular thing, nobody's going to say no to him, are they? That is true. Yeah. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So you read that Sean Connery and Michael Caine were in the pot? I didn't know about Michael Caine, but I knew about the Connery one. That would have been a strange one. <laughs> yeah. So, so you, you didn't know about Michael Caine? No. Well, I guess not a lot of people know that. <laughs> uh, Hector cost um, around $1 million to make, and it took 20 people to animate. I can understand the 20 people to animate. The $1 million feels... Yeah, expensive, especially for a, for a, a film that was budgeted for about ten million. Yeah. Yes, what's that? One one million on the robot, eight million on Kirk Douglas, <laughs> and the rest on everything else. Well, you know what? With the, with the few pennies that they had left, they could go down to Pound World and get a few bits of tubes and things. 
I mean, that's pretty much what, what these sets are. And it sounds like I'm going to criticise the sets, but it actually looks pretty good. Yeah, the ship designs are interesting. Mm, yeah. Um, having cost $10 million to make, it only made $9 million back at the box office, this movie. So close. So close, but... Uh, they just not spent that million on that robot. <laughs> they'd have broke, <laughs> broke even. even. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, I should have used a glove puppet. <laughs> I, um, I'll, I'll ask you when we get when we first see Hector what you think of, of the robot. Oh, all right. All right, don't yeah. don't spoil it. Don't don't peek oh, too no. soon, Colin. Okay. okay. All right. All right. Anything else, or should we get into it? Um, apparently, Kurt Douglas loved his clothes so much from the film that he kept them, which is uh, hilarious, really, because he's hardly ever wearing any. I know, I was just trying to think. I can't even remember what they look like. Just kind of like jogging, tra- sweat trousers and things like that. But he loved them. Yeah, maybe it's at that age where he just liked a comfortable... That was exactly what he said. He said that they were so comfortable that he, that he took them home. Well, that's different, because usually in science fiction films, the actors hate the costumes. That's true. But the, the, well, especially when they, they, they tended, especially in 70s movies, and this would have been shot in the 70s. I know it came out in, the, in 1980. It tended to be... Of lycra jumpsuits and um, you know things like Star Trek: The Motion Picture or Space Nineteen Ninety Nine or something like that. They always look slightly uncomfortable anyway. Yeah, they loved a onesie in nineteen seventy oh, science fiction films. They do, they? they do, they do, they do. Um, this film does have a um, that kind of seventies bleakness to it, though, hasn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah. If if someone had said this was made in the seventies, I'd be like, "Oh yeah, okay." Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's got that kind of seventies ending as well, hasn't it? That you'd never get away with yeah. today. Um, right. The sets were the largest constructed at the time for a film shot in the UK. They took up to two large sound stages at Shepperton Studios. Oh, they don't look that big. Well, apparently they were, and apparently um, they had to start putting up maps at the entrances so that crew members didn't keep getting lost. So all those corridors are different corridors? They are, yeah. All interconnected. Uh, you might as well just use the same one. You would never have known. <laughs> I suppose that's why we've got, we, we get lots of long shots of um, people jogging down corridors, don't we? Yes, yeah. we do. Yeah. So that's probably what they use them for. Right. Isn't, did you think it was strange that Farrah Fawcett got top billing over Kirk Douglas? Yeah, now you think about it, yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised he allowed that to happen it's not even alphabetical is it so that can't be the reason i think it's just basically down to the fact that she was really really popular at the time are you a fan of hers she's kind of and i'm probably going to get lots of stick for this but i not really i i always find her a bit vacuous in everything that i see her in yeah yeah and a bit and a bit dare i say it wooden hmm Especially when she's yeah. she's acting against someone like Kurt Douglas, not 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 so much Harvey Keitel in this because he looks like he wants to be anywhere else but on, <laughs> in 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 this movie, doesn't he? She has a very seventies look about her. Oh yeah, I don't mean like seventy years old. I mean nineteen seventies. Well, that poster was everywhere, wasn't it? That poster of her. Yeah, yeah. we all know that poster. Um, I would imagine lots of lots of young boys had that on their wall at the time. We were too young, obviously. Yep. I mean, we were, we were too young. Well, yeah, yeah, well, had the Kirk Douglas posters <laughs> on it. 
what the ones, the ones with, him with no clothes on from this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exercising. Well, talking of, of things that they used to publicise this film, they did film a, um, a strange fantasy sequence with Farrah Fawcett in a skimpy PVC jumpsuit, but it was never used. But they did use some of the sequence in part of the publicity for the movie's release later. Right, Lou Gray didn't like it, right? He didn't like it, no. But he liked it enough to use it in, on posters and things like that. Well, he's a businessman. You'd have been disappointed, though, wouldn't you, if you were expecting to find to go and see it and see her in that PVC jumpsuit and you don't get it. Yeah. All right, so let's leap into the film. Go on, then. We open with an associated film distribution logo. Won't see that around for much no. longer. <laughs> we get simple credits in silence. And we open with a view of Saturn and a large ship moves overhead onto the screen in a style that is in no way the same as Star Wars. I'm sure George Lucas's fingers were t- getting moving towards his phone at the time. Why? Call his lawyer. Do you need a pizza or something? <laughs> oh, is a pizza or something? <laughs> loves a pizza, just George. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. He does look like he loves a pizza, yes. Um, and another movie that, that came to mind when I was watching this sequence was um, Battle Beyond the Stars. Had almost the exact same opening as well. Yeah, it was popular, mm, right? It was. Music starts. It's an epic score that clearly somebody said, Elmer, I want you to convey that this is a big ship. Very big. The biggest you have ever seen. It, yeah, it, it opens and it, it's kind of very um, 2001-y as well. Yeah. and it, The ship is an interesting design, including what looks like a deformed satellite dish, even though Dishes are the shape they are for a reason. It looks kind of like it's, it's been too near the radiator for, for too long. <laughs> it's kind of melted or... Maybe they had. They're just like, oh, look what's happened to this. <laughs> Don't mind. Space, it's, isn't it? It's the future. No one's going to know. <laughs> yeah. We cut to inside a multicolored button-filled room with a geodesic dome canopy. There's a chatter of voices and communications depicting a hive of activity. We pull back. And we see something that kind of resembles a steamy lunar landing. I don't mean steamy as in sexy. Ooh, look at the legs on that lunar landing. Unless lunar landers are your thing. I mean, you've had one or two moonshots in your time, Paul, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> I wish you could see. I wish the audience could. The audience? We haven't got an audience. We've got listeners, haven't we? <laughs> we never have an audience, Paul. <laughs> I wish the listeners could see the winking that you're doing as you say these lines to me. <laughs> The, the winking. What? Wink. Oh, okay. W-I. Women's That's Institute? <laughs> a voice could be heard. Captain James, your presence on pad 73. Immediate. Urgent. I was surprised he didn't carry on. Immediate. Urgent. Right away. Now. Straight away. I can't stress this enough, but James, you really need to get to this ship on pad 73. He has got that tone to his voice, that slight, slightly panicky tone that he's... Uh... No one knows where this guy is. Yeah. We then pull back on what looks like a catwalk with lights either side. There's a lot of camera pulling back in this opening sequence, right? I wonder whether um, this was directed by, not by John Barry, but by the other guy. Because it it, it almost looks like they're going to burst into a big Busby Berkeley kind of number. Right, like the camera pulls back and reveals. And all all the the silhouettes walk up up and there's the big picture behind them. Right, yeah. Someone's like, there's no music in this. Stan, Stan, there's no music. (laughs) 
Then silhouetted figures emerge, like you said. Some carry objects and they walk towards us. These men approach the lunar landing. Meanwhile, the voice is still calling out for Captain James. I mean, it turns out that they do need to keep stressing how important it is because he's a slow bugger. Yeah, I wonder what he's doing. So now in more light, we see the people are dressed in blue overalls with red crash helmets. Yes. And they appear to be carrying dustbins <laughs> with them. The crash helmets did make me laugh. I'm sure... <laughs> We cut to another catwalk with a split screen. One half of it has people upside down and the other half is the right way up. Uh, you can see the join, but later on when they do it again, you can't. Odd. Maybe they fixed it. <laughs> yeah, and didn't go back yeah. and fix the other one. Would right. you be surprised? No, not really. A man runs along the catwalk. Back at the lander, the personnel are loading the canisters in the lander. We see a locker with the name Benson written on it. A man picks up a black helmet. We cut to another man hurriedly opening a door. Meanwhile, the voice asking for Captain James has changed to a woman's. And I'm assuming this guy now is Captain yeah. James. Yeah. yeah. James opens a locker. We see the mysterious man from earlier hiding on the other side of the locker. James takes a long canister out of the locker. That's a lot of sandwiches he's got <laughs> packed. He likes a full lunch, obviously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He then takes some papers out of his briefcase. Then the mysterious man makes himself known. James asks, Is that you, Benson? The man doesn't answer. Unwisely, Captain James continues with, So, you blew the mental test. Potentially unstable. Now, I mean... I'm no mental health expert, but probably bringing up the fact that you've been proven to be unstable to a man who isn't talking and is hiding his face with a black helmet isn't that smart. If I was talking to a mentally unstable nut job, I would keep the conversation to things like, how are you doing? How was your week? Nothing stressed you out? Good. Good. Anyway, got to get on. And now, now I get it, yeah. <laughs> No, I, I got the impression that, um, why would he, he did he leave, does he leave his helmet on and not take it off because of what he's going to do in a second? Yes. Okay. But he doesn't speak either. So I, 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 the my first impulse was to think that he's not really Benson, that he's just someone taking Benson's uniform. Ah, mm -hmm. I see. Okay. I mean, that never goes anywhere. Yeah, but then... It says like he's mentally unstable. Benson's met. So is there two of them? Are they all mentally unstable? <laughs> <laughs> is Captain James the only one who's not? Well, we'll never know. We'll never know what he is in a minute. Or maybe like if, if Benson was, suddenly put, was not wearing his helmet and then put it on, that would have made yeah. the other guy suspicious. Like, why are you putting your helmet on? You're not going anywhere. That's true. Yeah. Doesn't the guy put his helmet on though? Before what happens? Only next. when the thing starts happening. Oh, right, okay. Anyway, James says he'd be unstable too if he knew he was going to get Saturn III. Benson eyes a handle marked emergency and buckles himself in. Oddly, James seems very oblivious to all this. <laughs> yes, he does. He does. He, he, only get, he only clues in at the, the worst possible moment, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Finally, James does realise that Benson's up to no good. He quickly puts his helmet on and grabs hold of the bench. Benson, stop! No! Benson! But Benson opens an airlock shaft that is in the roof of the room. Why the build an airlock in the locker room? Why put it in the ceiling 
And then also, why put taunt sharp wires across the entrance to it? <laughs> Maybe he did it himself earlier. Well, just the wire part, yeah. not the whole... Yeah, <laughs> no, no he sharp. built the whole... <laughs> <laughs> so, talking a <of> long game. <laughs> he's like they're knocking a wall through and everything. He's <laughs> uh, like, uh, so uh, speaking to the architect, I think we should put a shaft in above the uh, locker room. Why? Oh, 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 no reason. You know, <laughs> just thought it might be useful. Uh, uh, while we're at it, can we make sure we've got these incredibly taut steel wires that go across the entrance of it? Well, you're the boss, Benson. <laughs> but but then again, he wouldn't, he wouldn't say any of that, though, would he? Because he doesn't speak when his helmet's on. That's true. That's true. He'd have to take his helmet off. He'd have to take his off. helmet off, yeah. yeah. So the rush of oxygen leaving the room pulls Benson up into the shaft because everything else appears to be nailed down. It seems to be, yes. Yeah, which... If you had, for some reason, designed a room with this airlock in the ceiling, then you would actually have to nail everything down. I guess so, yeah. James hits the wires and shatters. <laughs> um, are they saying that he's instantly frozen? Like a flash-frozen fish fillet. But if that was true, why doesn't Benson freeze? Because he's only wearing the same gear that he is. Ah, but you only freeze when you get sucked up. Oh, dear. <laughs> Apparently. All oh, right, okay. Maybe, ah, maybe Benson's got thermals on. Oh, under his suit. Under his suit, yeah. Ah, I see, right, yeah, I get you now, yeah. He's got his woolies on. He's got his woolies on, all right, I'll go with it, I'll go with it. Yeah. It's, it's better to freeze when you're getting sucked up, not when, not when you're getting sucked off. Is it? Well, you don't want to freeze, do you? Do you not? No, that could be disastrous. Could it? Yeah. I'm just going to keep asking you, see where you go with it. I don't know where I'm going. I don't, I don't even intend no. for you to use it. It just gave just uh, something that popped into my head. Well, leave it there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so Benson closes the hatch, unbuckles himself and grabs the canister, which, for some reason, wasn't sucked into space. So not everything is nailed down then? Well, it can't be because mm. James just put it there. Maybe it's just really heavy. Well, then how can Benson lift it? He works out. How did James put it there in the first place? Now then? you've got me. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I hope Benson likes the sandwiches that James packed. If not, could send him over the edge. Maybe it's just a really massive tube of Pringles. Mm, Pringles. Oh, I've got him going now. <laughs> uh, Benson then runs to the lunar lander. The ladder is retracted, and the lunar lander launches. Well, the camera pans down, and somebody makes whooshing noises. But you get the idea. <laughs> this is this uh, is another interesting design, isn't it? It's it's like an insect. This little spaceship. Yeah, we cut to the massive vessel we saw in the opening sequence, and Benson's ship can be seen slowly flying from it, heading towards the rings of Saturn. It flies through the rocky materials that make up the rings. Once through, Benson approaches a planet. A voice tells him that he's entering the field of Saturn III Experimental Food Research Station. Intended landers should adopt Vectors 309 to the polar elliptic. Did you say so? Two figures on the surface see the lander fly past, although for some reason their suits appear to be leaking. Yeah, there's um, like steam or something coming out of it, isn't there? Yeah. What do you think of the... I'd worry if I... Yeah, what do, you, what do you think of the effects so far then? They're a little modelly. 
they're only a few quid away from what we've seen in Blake Seven, really, aren't they? Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Yeah, Benson lands his ship. He climbs out with the canister. The two figures approach. One asks him, "Any urgent unloads?" Well, I could do with a poo right now. I'm I'm vectoring three hundred nine to the polar elliptic, if you know what I mean. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't say that. <laughs> I'd love it if Kurt Douglas did, did say that in that accent as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I could do with a poo right now. I'm vectoring 309 to polar elliptic, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Doesn't, Doesn't know. Yeah. You know. He says there's nothing, so they head inside. We learn that one of the people on the surface is a woman. A woman? The man asks to take the canister, but Benson says no. So these two people got suited up and headed out into the most dangerous of conditions known to humans just to meet him at the ship. Yes. I mean, I'd wait indoors. Be like, just, just knock on the door when you land, mate. <laughs> yeah, we'll let you in. Yeah, yeah, I don't want going out in there. What's the point? I'm glad that they didn't go with the let's pretend we're in zero gravity acting that we've seen before in many things. Yeah, a bit of stir cops. Yeah, the, no, no, the walking around like the Andy Pandian, <laughs> you know, or the Thunderbirds or whatever. I'm yeah, glad they didn't that's do true. that. Yeah. yeah. The spacesuits look nice. Yeah, like the design. Why? It's an interesting film, I mm-hmm, think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They head inside and are decontaminated before entering the main part of the base. Benson is asked if the canister is okay to go through decontamination. These sandwiches are indestructible. <laughs> That'll be the Marmite. Oh, mm. yeah. Do you like Marmite? I do. Yeah. yeah. They take off their helmets. The sound this makes... It's like somebody going, Kush. That's probably what it was, Colin. Yeah. yeah. Captain Benson has introduced to Major Adam and his partner Alex. I'm pretty sure when Farrah Fawcett takes off her helmet, it doesn't go, Kush. it goes, Kwa. <laughs> Unlike when I take my helmet off, which goes, Ugh, put me back on. <laughs> I'm not sure what I know what you do with your helmet, Colin. Wave it around at parties. <laughs> you can't do that anymore. John Barrowman's proven it. <laughs> Has he? Yes. <laughs> Cancelled. <laughs> Cancelled. They nod. Adam glances at the canister but tells Benson to look around. Benson's really attached to these sandwiches because he carries the canister with him. Well, he's carried them all this way. I mean, he's killed for these sandwiches. That's true. Mm. Yeah. Benson's arrival is unusual as they don't get many visitors from Earth. Adam asks where Benson is from, and he apparently he's from Counter 5, the first side of the East Billions. <laughs> Adam, Adam reveals that he spent a couple of terms, you know, down in Billion Park. Benson informs him they've cleaned that out now. It's a dead cell. It's really disconcerting Just, hearing Roy Dutrice's voice coming out of Harry Keitel. When I was growing up and I watched this film, I'm not really sure I knew... Because I wouldn't have known Harvey Keitel from anything, so I would never have noticed at the time. No, same here, same here. And, I, and I, I'd completely forgotten that, that it's not him speaking. I, in my head, I was, I was converting the Roy Dutrice voice and imagining what it would have sounded like if, if Harvey Keitel was speaking the lines himself with his own voice. And it, it wasn't good. Now, can you imagine if we thought that um, we went through life thinking that Harvey Keitel sounded like this in Saturn Free and that for the rest of his career he was dubbed? 
<laughs> yeah, so in, in Mean Streets, he really said he liked Road of Truth, but he was dubbed into a... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. To a Bronx accent or something like that, yeah. 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 Maybe Roy Dutrie should have, like, dubbed all of Harvey Keitel's films. That would have been great. That would have been great. Yeah. Sadly, he's not with us anymore, but, so we can't get him to do it, but that would have been fantastic. <laughs> bad Lieutenant. <laughs> I'd love to have seen it. It would have been good. Yeah. Um, got it. Got to, got to say as well that the inside of this space station, it's kitted out in the finest futuristic decor that the 1970s had to offer, isn't it? Well, how do you mean? Well, everything just looks, it's all very plastic and, and beige, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> bit like, bit, it's, it's... A bit like Farrah Fawcett. I'm in a funny mood tonight, Colin. <laughs> oh, wait, really? A funny mood? I haven't seen any evidence <laughs> so far. I walked into that one, didn't I? About time after 80 odd podcasts. <laughs> yeah, that one day. Benson notices a symbol on the top part of Alex's cheek. Adam has one on the side of his forehead. Benson says that from that scan, he can tell that she has never been to Earth. And he goes on to joke, Saturn free, when they want to give the solar system an enema, and Adam finishes the line. That's where they stick the tube in. That's probably how this film was described in some quarters as well. It's, it's, like, it's like Alien, but... With an enema. <laughs> Flush it out. Flush the memory out. <laughs> well, Benson wants to go to the laboratory, but Adam and Alex would like a, a welcome drink first. They ask him about Earth, but he simply points out that they get the bulletins and, and you scan and you acknowledge them. Alex replies, we acknowledge, but we don't always scan. I guess those bulletins are like those license agreements you get with software. You just go, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Click accept. <laughs> yeah. Earth is hungry, says Benson. That's why we're here, replies Adam. Benson informs him that their research is behind schedule. We're doing all we can, replies Adam. A man holding an alcoholic drink, living alone with an attractive woman half his age. Yeah, I can't imagine what's slowing down their schedule. <laughs> she is literally half his age. I now. know, I know. He's, he's about 63 in this, I think. 64, 64. she's 32. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> You'd never get away with that today, would you? Oh, they still kind of do that, don't they? Not not to the... Not as, not bad. as bad as what this looks. <laughs> I don't think. Right. Yeah. But it does play into the movie a little bit later, doesn't it? Yes, it mm. does. Yeah. That's not enough. You need help, says Benson. And you're the help, replies Adam. We cut to the canister being opened in the laboratory. Alex reaches out for it. No taxion contact, says Benson. You mean, don't touch, replies Alex. It's like being in a meeting and somebody insists on using business speak. Yeah, corporate speak, yeah. yeah. We've been examining your core competencies and concluded that we need a disruptive model to engage a frictionless and more robust working process. Before we t-shirt this proposal, I'd like to demonstrate how this results-oriented canister can streamline your agile workflow. You are using an agile methodology. Oof, thought you canister with sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, um, Adam was getting peckish as well. Adam does ask what's in the canister, but Benson doesn't reply. He simply states that he has to report into Earth. Adam tells him he can't do that because they're in an eclipse. Ah, of course, says Benson. How long will it last? 
Alex tells him 22 days, but Adam's face is clear that he's wondering why Benson doesn't know this. Yeah, well, Benson should know this anyway, even if he is a psychopath. Well, maybe no, because he failed the, uh, the exam, so maybe they didn't give him many instructions. Okay, yeah, yeah, I can buy that. Yeah. He says he needs some rest, and Alex shows him to his quarters. On the way, Alex asks him if he wants some Irville. <laughs> There's a lot of that in this yeah. movie, isn't there? Just, just yeah, words, yeah. futuristic gibberish. words. Yeah, gibberish, as yeah. you say, yeah. But he says no, he'll just take some blues and crash. Smurfs? <laughs> He's going to take, take two Smurfs to bed. Yeah, and just crash. Papa? Ah, uh, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I've already eaten. Uh, but it turns out that there's a pill called Blue Dreamers. Alex hasn't heard of them. He gives her one to try back in the lab. The canister is beeping. It is. They look like, um, the way that he dispenses them out of that little box, they look like Tic Tacs. Maybe they're treated like Tic Tacs where he's from. Yeah, possibly. We cut to Adam and Alex having a shower together. First of many uh, naked shots of uh, Kurt Douglas in this. He's obsessed with appearing nude as much as possible in this movie. Yeah, he is. Mm. Yeah. I wonder why. <laughs> you know that Martin Amis mm. was involved in this film? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And his book, written after this film has an aging actor in it called Lord Guyland, who is obsessed with his own virility. I see. Okay. And you think that that was based on... It was based on, yeah. Yeah, all right, okay. Makes sense. Yeah, so it must have been a common knowledge on the set. Mm-hmm. And that explains all the exercising stuff we see. Yes, yeah, so we get to one of those in a bit, don't we? In a minute, actually. Yeah. Do you think that... Um, do, do you think that Kirk and Farrah became... Um, friendly on this on this movie that's possible i guess Mm -hmm. yeah i wouldn't have been surprised no alex envies benson and his chance to go out and breathe you know because he's from earth Mm -hmm. not like them inside all the time adam points out that the last time he was on earth if you went out and breathed the pollution it was likely to rust out your tubes (laughs) that's quite a good line Mm -hmm. yeah it's one of the few good lines. There's not, There's not many, many no. no. He gives her a cheeky slap on his way out the shower. He does, yes. <laughs> and that's what she thinks of the captain. Alex thinks he's funny, but Adam says he must have missed his best lines. Alex asks him about blue dreamers. Now, Adam is annoyed that Benson gave her one of his pills. He explains that they're given to people who go out on long journeys on their own to stop them going static. He reveals that he took them years ago. He says they were interesting. I'll bet. And when he says years ago, does he mean like when he was in his <laughs> in his late fifties? <laughs> when, 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 when he was her yeah. age. <laughs> Alex drops her towel, and Adam takes her in his arms. She has to try one together. He says, "Maybe." Adam finally agrees, but only after the captain has left. I remember seeing this movie. First time I saw it, I was I was only a kid, and um, I was watching it with my dad in the room. And I remember getting very uncomfortable during Farrah Fawcett's boob shots that <laughs> pop in and out of Frank. 
occasionally. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. You know that feeling when you're sitting there watching something with your dad and you think, and, some, and, a, and a sexy scene comes on and you're like, not going to look at him and he's not going to look at me and we're going to pretend like this never happened. <laughs> yeah. Adam hopes that Benson isn't staying long, but Alex should make him feel at home anyway. We hear a howl. Alex recognizes it as Sally and that she's shut in the lab again. Alex goes to sort it out and Adam reminds her to cover up because they're not alone anymore. He doesn't take his own advice though, does he? No, he mm. doesn't. That's right. Yeah. Alex enters the lab and finds Sally, which is a small dog sitting on the floor. And she's locked in. Why don't they program the door to open for her? <laughs> it's almost like the dog's an afterthought. It gets treated like one. He does. It's like, wasn't, wasn't there something we were supposed to be doing um, weeks ago? What was it? Oh, yeah. Feed the dog. Oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. You never see him feed the dog. You never see him play with the dog. You never see him talk to the dog. No. Dog's just wandering around this station on its own all the time. It's a good thing that you're, you weren't assigned to uh, man this station with Farrah Fawcett and the dog, because I know that you'd be spending more time with the dog, wouldn't you? That makes me sound like a weird pervert, Colin. <laughs> but, but... <laughs> you just love dogs, Colin. I know you love dogs. I mean, you love, I love dogs. I mean, I don't mean you love dogs. I mean, you love dogs. No, 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 no. Yeah. I love all animals. <laughs> that sounds worse. It's still still yeah. there. Can't help yourself. <laughs> she hears a beeping from the canister and presses a button. Suddenly, Benson appears and stops her. Alex calls out for Sally. Benson picks her up. It has a name. For some reason, he looks up its ass. Well, you've never seen a dog before, I suppose. Uh, unless he's eating it, as he points well, out. He, isn't it? Yeah, 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 he has seen a dog, yeah. What, what yeah, was he... that's what he says. How long was he standing there waiting for someone to come in and touch that thing before he jumped out? Hours. There's more of that later in this film. And it's even worse. Yeah. That's a trope that we're finding in a lot of films, isn't it? That characters have to spend a lot of time in one place mm -hmm. waiting for somebody else to do something. Yeah, we've come across that a lot, haven't we? Yeah. She's horrified at the fact that Benson eats dogs. And she takes Sally from him and says it's time for bed. Yes, says Benson. You have a great body. May I use it? <laughs> well, that's, that's a pickup line, <laughs> I suppose. Does it work for you? <laughs> no, it might have worked in our hometown, Colin. Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. And with the Major, she replies. Interesting that Fawcett broke up with Lee Majors just after this film. So she's with the Major, but not the Majors. <laughs> Is that true? I didn't know that. Yes. Oh, right. Also gives evidence towards whether Kirk Douglas and her did do something. Possibly, yeah. Maybe he just didn't like, you know, the amount of time she spent with a half-naked Kirk Douglas on this movie. That was a power couple in the 70s, though, wasn't it? Lee Majors and Farrah Fawcett. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah, like like Posh and Bex. <laughs> you were frantically searching your brain then for something current, weren't you? <laughs> I was trying to make sure I got. I didn't say Box and Besh. <laughs> well, that, them too, yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I was thinking maybe the royal family, but I don't want to mention that. No, no, no. We'll stay. I, can't, I can't remember the names. You want to stay well clear of that at the moment, Colin. <laughs> yeah. Like, like Andrew and Fergie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Andrew and Kusterhook. <laughs> We're going backwards. Yeah. We're going backwards in time. Yeah. Probably best we don't discuss Prince Andrew, like, at all, really, considering. Well, don't you, don't you have a connection with Prince Andrew? Oh. You both don't sweat. 
Well, that's not true. We we both know I swear. Wait, uh, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> How would I know that? Yeah. <laughs> that's how we went to those Turkish baths together. <laughs> oh, can you imagine that? <laughs> no, and I don't want to. <laughs> Ever. I've not had dinner yet. Can you imagine the look of horror on the other people's faces when we walked into a Turkish bath? Obviously, she doesn't want to go with Benson, but he's still, like, pushing it. He says, well, I'll see you with the major for his personal consumption. That's penally unsocial on Earth. Penally unsocial. <laughs> That's what he says. <laughs> There's some very odd lines in this film, isn't there? Yeah. Not here, she tells him. Benson watches him leave. We know what he's thinking. How dare she try to steal my sandwiches? <laughs> so, so in this future, basically, everyone just has it away with everyone else whenever they want. Yeah, and everyone eat, eats whatever they can get because there's no food. Makes sense. I don't know, I'd be too tired without food to have sex. <laughs> well, especially Kurt Douglas at his age, you know, got to keep the energy up. Mm. Yeah. yeah. We next see her with Adam. Also, this film has a lot of, like, cutting from scene to scene with characters totally in different places with no, like, connection to it. Yeah, I wonder whether there were... Because this movie's got quite a, a, a small running time, so I was wondering whether there was lots of other stuff shot and then they just chopped it down to 90 minutes. We next see Alex with Adam. He can sense something is wrong. He tells her to come into his quarters and they'll discuss the problem. And they chuckle. Has he never heard of the Me Too movement? Is that not a thing in the future? <laughs> um, the only movement he's heard of is bowel movement. And they're not regular at his age, I'm telling you now. No. no, no. Turns out that Benson is watching them on a monitor thanks to some oddly placed security cameras. Yeah, he's found the premium adult channels. Yeah, it's one of those films where the camera's like in a place you never would have a camera. Yeah, because isn't it like an extreme close-up of their faces? Yeah, next While to the bed. On top, of, yeah, the on bed. top of each other. Yeah. She looks so bored as well. Well, you know. I bet she was hoping that some of those little blue pills he was going to give her were uh, some other kind of little blue pills. Viagra. Huh? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, we just saw from a close-up of his face to the blue dreamers and then back to him. Mm-hmm. So now we cut to Adam and Alex, now watching a monitor showing Benson working. Alex says it looks like Benson is building his own place. Then we cut to him... Well, no, Alex is using some kind of exercise wheel and Adam is using a skipping rope. He's spectacular with that skipping rope. Yeah, that's why it's in the film, <laughs> right? Didn't he do a boxing movie once? I wonder whether that was a, um, a skill he learned when he did that boxing movie. Maybe, but wasn't night like, skipping was part of an exercise regime back in the old 70s? Yeah, probably. Right? I think he also does it in that um, 80s movie he made with Burt Lancaster. Tough guys. It's his thing. <laughs> Alex points out how strange Benson is. And then they go and visit him in his laboratory. Benson won't say when he'll be leaving, just that he'll go when he's done. He finally reveals that he has a robot for them. Adam mentions, well, we've already got three. Ah, this one is different. It's the first of the Demigod series. Uh, Demigod? I mean, as soon as I hear that, I'll be like, put it back in the luggage. <laughs> I thought exactly the same thing. Yeah, it seems like a really bad idea, doesn't it? 
Yeah, you're like, oh, this is part of the Cuddles series. Oh, Cuddles, that, that's a nice. Not, yeah. not this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, this is part of the uh, Evil Kill Humans series that we've <laughs> the got. The Stab You in Your Sleep series. Strange. Now Benson is alone again. As he checks off all the robot's parts, the music becomes more electronic and ominous. It looks like a giant mechano set. I hope he's got all the pieces. There's always a bit missing. Yeah, and it's Benson. <laughs> he's yeah. got a screw missing. Alex enters and starts to work at a computer. Benson comes over and asks where she got her name from. It turns out Adam gave it to her. <laughs> Don't look at me. That doesn't make any sense, does it? Maybe women in the, in the future aren't allowed to have yeah. names. What I'm wondering is, like, is she really, like, human or is she some kind of, like, clone thing? Or? There's lots of... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about this when we sum it up at the end, but there's lots of things in this film that never go anywhere. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Adam is listening into their conversation. I know why you're denying me hospitality, the captain says. We gave you the run of the place. I'm talking about your body. It's very beautiful. I'd like to use it. <laughs> Come to Saturn 3 Research Station, work hard and be sexually harassed at every opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like your kind of place. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. Adam hears this. Alex says she's not interested. Benson doesn't know when to stop. On Earth, we use each other's bodies to give ourselves pleasure. No thanks, she says. At this point, Adam switches on the camera to see what's going on mm -hmm. rather than just hear it. You're afraid of me, aren't you, says Benson. You're afraid he'll be jealous. He'll, he'll be jealous. He's frightened of the new ways. He's obsolete. Paul, I think he's talking about you. I'm not frightened of the new ways. <laughs> Don't pull that face at me. Adam cuts off the audio. We zoom in on Alex's face. The computer sounds get louder as we watch Adam's reaction. And we cut to... Alex and Adam with Benson now in the lab. See, this is one of those where yeah. it just like jumps. Yeah. Benson orders the lights off. He opens the canister and a grayish, whitish, long brain is revealed. Pure brain tissue, says Benson. Ooh, I was hoping the sandwiches would be a nice bun me or something. <laughs> European. Human? Asks Alex. But it's an unborn. It's a big brain. So I'm guessing it's grown. I, I mm. guess so. Again, they don't no, explain no, no. it, right? This brain has to be programmed, and then it can develop in just three to four weeks. Once it's ready, it will take over, and then one of you will be obsolete. I think we know which one. You can guess. We cut to Alex and Adam. They're now jogging. Exercise number two. <laughs> Did she forget to do her top-up? Well, she doesn't need to, does she? Normally. Mm, I suppose, yeah. Alex is asking if they can reapply for a mission together because she wants to stay together, but Adam knows he's close to a bot time. He was hoping they'd been forgotten about. Obsolete, says Adam as he lays down. He says they should flush the captain and his friend into space, but Alex says it's a horrible idea. Meanwhile, Benson is building his robot. Alex is kind of a true innocent in this film, because Benson and Adam, they're not likable characters at all, are they? Neither one of them. No, which, which also like, it gives an idea of like, was she born on this station? She's mm. never been to Earth. I don't understand where she comes from or why she's not... No, why she is like this. ...knowledgeable on things, yeah. No. It's almost like she's 
an android like Hector, a robot that needs to be programmed in some way. Mm. And let's face it, if you could build androids that look like Fire Force, why are you dicking around with this Hector thing? <laughs> Makes no sense. Back with Alex and Adam, Adam cuts the Blue Dreamer pill in half. They each take it. At first, she doesn't feel anything. Then, then Adam says that Alex should just go to Earth and find out if she'll hate it. Yeah, almost like they've had this conversation before, but we don't know. Well, do she, we? no, she mentioned going to Earth, and he, oh, that's right. what he says about rusting your tubes and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll leave you, she says, pushing him over. It's going to happen sooner or later, he admits. Back with Benson, it appears his robot operates with coloured water. There's bubbling sound as the liquid fills the veins of the machine. <laughs> so go on, now, now's the time to ask you, what, what do you think about this robot design? It's like a skinny short circuit. It does look like Johnny Five at the top, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. <clears throat> um, um, I think it's an interesting well, have, design. It's interesting, but it, it doesn't work and it has problems. It, it has plot issues later on. Yes, it does, yes. <laughs> I know what you're referring to, yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's quite a few of them. I did think it felt so, very real. Yeah, like the brain and the, mm. the veins made of liquid uh, that pump through and the idea of programming it straight from your brain, I suppose. Yeah. I think it's a clever idea to make it so huge as well. I mean, the body of it just looms over everybody, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It's eight foot tall. Yeah, yeah. Apparently Farrah Fawcett was genuinely scared of it. Well, that fell on you. Yeah, exactly. Russia. Yeah. So now we cut to Adam and Alex waking up to a disco track. We are we are shooting in the seventies, so you know, got to get your yeah. disco in. The door opens and the robot stands there. Quiet, please. You're blocking him, says Benson. They turn the music off. Benson introduces them to Hector. Give it a simple instruction. Ask it something. Alex asks it to pass a flask to Adam. Hector picks it up, then crushes it. That's his wanking hand, you know. Is it really, Paul? Yeah. Wait, who's he wanking? <laughs> Whoever he wants to, I don't know. No, that's true. If an eight-foot robot wants to wank you off, it's going to wank you off, isn't it, right? You're not going to say. <laughs> exactly. There's nothing you could say about it. <laughs> that's going to be the most dangerous wank ever, though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It needs a little more work. Back at the lab, Benson starts to program the robot with his own thoughts. Now afterwards, Alex and Adam are playing chess and Benson brings Hector to them. Adam wants to see Hector play the game. Care for a wager, laughs Adam. Benson says that Hector doesn't like to be laughed at and that a sense of humour is not a priority. Methinks Benson doesn't like to be laughed at. Methinks mm-hmm. Hervey Keitel doesn't like to be laughed at. <laughs> well, he's certainly not laughing at anything in this film, is he? Hector slowly moves a chess piece whilst almost knocking other chess pieces over. Yeah. Did you notice that? It's the clumsiest thing ever, isn't it? It doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> it's revealed that Hector learns via direct input, brain to brain. Hector draws from Benson's brain via radio contact. A connection is made via the base of the skull. An antenna is placed inside. Yes, it's kind of like the Matrix thing, isn't it? Where they stick the things into the back of the head. Yeah. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. We then get a speeded up shot of Hector moving a piece. There's a lot of speeded up shots of Hector um, moving about, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. This thing clearly didn't work very mm. well. 
it's not Hector playing chess then. It's just doing what Benson is telling him through the brain device. So he might as well be playing Benson. Or is Benson just giving like ideas and Hector is interpreting those ideas and making the moves? It's just never explained. It's, it's poorly written, really, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Benson takes the antenna out and says that he can control what he thinks. That he teaches Hector as much as he chooses. You haven't taught him enough, says Adam. Sacrifice. That's the one thing you can't teach them. Checkmate. Hector crushes the piece in his hand. Now, is that Hector crushing the piece or is that Benson angry and Hector's crushing the piece? He's taken the antenna thing out. Mm -hmm. So it's Hector, but Hector's thoughts are based on the way Benson would interpret that action and and benson's a psychopath so yeah, yeah which explains the yeah. why hector uh the, what, does what he does later right yeah okay yeah okay adam and alex walk away from them down a corridor they discuss hector adam says doesn't scare you whatever he thinks goes straight into that robot but alex is surprisingly blasé about it she says the captain has been carefully selected to control his thoughts, says Adam. She, she's very trusting. Again, it's that innocent yes, thing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, she's very naive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Back in the lab, Benson is trying to figure out why Hector can't talk. Afterwards, he takes Hector for a stroll and finds Alex working. She doesn't notice them. Benson watches her intently. You also see that Hector is staring at her. Benson's fingers tap on the control board in agitation. Hector's do the same. How how did they walk into the room without being heard? Because <laughs> this eight-foot robot, it's not doing the soft shoe shuffle. It's not, no. There's metal walkways, no. It, it, it's even worse later. Basically, as well, he's, he's teaching Hector to become a sex pest like he is. Yeah. Hmm. Adam sees them and notices how they are leering at Alex. Wow. We know what Benson is thinking. <laughs> we do. Yeah, the last time you had those thoughts, you had to consult that firm of solicitors and lawyers. What were they called? Harris, Savile and King? <laughs> That's harsh. <laughs> Back in Alex and Adam's cabin, Adam is wondering who knows what goes on in the captain's brain. Who knows what's going on in anybody's mind? Would you say I was a man who could control his thoughts? Alex thinks so. He asks her to take her clothes off. And why she's doing that, he's going to think of nothing but hydroponics. 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 And then he grabs her and they fall laughing onto the bed. And then he falls asleep. Later in the lab, Alex is working and Benson is using a laser to cut into some rock. A splinter breaks off and hits Alex in the eye. Doesn't he call it a live chip? Yeah, he does. Yeah. <laughs> a live chip hit you in the eye. Yeah, I I mean I I thought it meant like a chip of rock that was mm. live because it was hot or so, I mm. don't know. He makes her sit down. She wants Adam, but Benson says Hector he, he can get it out. She struggles because you know previously we've just seen Hector crushing everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But Benson tells her to keep still while he holds her head. Hector reaches out and manages to grab the chip from her eye. How? 
I mean, he's got he's got hands that are look like you know catcher's mitts, doesn't he? I mean, how is he, how is he doing with it? Those those little tweezer things come out the end of his hand. It's, yeah, but it's still a bit. I mean, would you? Yeah, I agree with you. No, I won't let him near me. I couldn't bear this scene. I couldn't bear this scene anyway. I can't stand anything with close-ups of eyes. Oh, you can? No, I don't like of, I don't like eyes. Because they're entrance to the soul and you don't want anybody to see your soul, right? <laughs> Have I got what? <laughs> it's just, just emptiness. Emptiness. I've often wondered, yeah. <laughs> Benson then offers her another pill called Earth Dreams. He's he's just he's a walking pharmacy, isn't he, Benson? Oh yeah, that's all he does, isn't <laughs> it? Pop pills. <laughs> well, he wants them to be together in this with this pill. It creates a three D inner experience, like you're really there. I wonder whether it it was either this something here or probably something back when they took the blue pills together, her and Adam, where that um, dream sequence that they shot was was supposed to be in. I think it was back when they took yeah, the... Yeah, uh, that would make sense, wouldn't it? Blue eyes, because there's nothing there, nothing happens, right? Mm. They just fall asleep and then wake up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hector watches. And Adam enters the room. And Alex is saying no, but Benson, ever the creepy guy, says, you're afraid you'll like it. You'll never know how good it is until you try. Do you think that would work, pal? Why don't you let me know? Okay. I'm today. He's yesterday. Don't you like me? Continues Benson. Adam nicely turns a pump up. <laughs> he does, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's an interesting yeah. theme, the whole, you know, getting older, you know, feeling obsolete by this younger guy. But it doesn't go anywhere. No, I'll talk about that now, summing up. Mm. Later, Adam is in bed and Alex is approaching. Tells her to turn off the video scans. What's wrong with you today, she asks. I'm not today. I'm yesterday, he replies. But she realizes that he's been listening. Mm-hmm. He refers to Benson as a cuckoo. A cuckoo, yes. Hector is monitoring the computers. Benson notices the light on Hector is dimming. An alarm sounds. He asks if Hector is almost out of charge. He types out, affirmative. Benson plugs him in. Now Benson starts to wonder why Hector won't talk. I mean, he knows it can. Hector types out that he's not ready yet. Benson asks, what has he done wrong? The word murder appears on the screen. Hector turns into a bit of a psyche git in this bit, doesn't he? Yeah, he does, yeah. <laughs> yeah. More metal Mickey in short yeah. <laughs> Not that. Blank that. That's not what I meant, says Benson. Hector blanks it. That was improper fart leakage says Benson. You've had a few of those in your time, haven't you? Sorry, what? What did I do wrong? Benson asks again. You failed course, appears on the screen. Don't get smart, says Benson. What shall I get? He's typed. Mm. Are you aware of Alex? He asks Hector. Affirmative. Beautiful. What do you know about it? Don't get ideas above your station, Hector. Killer, appears on the screen. And Benson gets annoyed. I said blanket. Now reply as ordered. Am I a killer? Blanked as ordered appears. Is that the truth? He asks. Silence. You're malfunctioning. Answer. I'm not malfunctioning. <laughs> says Hector. <laughs> Where I say he types it. <laughs> you cheeky sod. <laughs> Reminded me of um, 
a slave in um, the Blake Seven episode that we watched. You know, and you you were oh, yeah. you said that you th- you felt that his tone was like slightly sarcastic and condescending. Yeah, you know? yeah. If you, then why can't you speak? Are you malfunctioning? I'm not malfunctioning. I'm not malfunctioning. You are. <laughs> <laughs> That's what appears on the screen. It is. It is. We cut to Adam in a suit on the surface, loading rocks into a canister. Alex lays back on her bed. Next, we cut to Hector, and he's following the dog, Sally. He starts to stalk it. I don't fancy its chances, do you? Actually, yes, I do, because there's no bloody way on earth that that robot could ever kill that dog. <laughs> it never catches. That is true. Yes, that. But absolutely no way. It, but um, Hector seems to be able to engage some sort of stealth mode when he needs to. <laughs> so, even stealth mode is too slow. <laughs> it is. Maybe you can go invisible. Oh, well, that is very stealthy. Mm, it is. Suddenly, Alex hears the dog scream. I mean, it, it screams like a dog. It doesn't go, ah! <laughs> it screams like a dog. It, either way, she'd be like, oh, what was that? We have a dog? I forgot all about the dog. <laughs> That's true. That's true. She goes rushing out. She runs through the corridors, calling its name. And as she searches, Hector is watching her from the shadows. How doesn't she notice him? Uh, same reason she can't hear him. No, he's bloody huge, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> With lights for eyes. Exactly. So he's not even eyes. dark. No, he's standing in the shadows. You still see the eyes. <laughs> he's, just, he's, just, he's just stood there holding a plant in front of him. <laughs> she rocks past him. Oh, I what? didn't see you there. What's that? Uh, isn't there a movie where um, a comedy where people freeze? And, and guards just walk past them. Three amigos? I think it is that, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, okay. Yeah. Suddenly she finds the animal torn to pieces in a puddle of its own blood. Unlike in somebody else's blood, that it'd be? <laughs> <laughs> that is a great sentence, isn't it? I just, yeah. <laughs> we found the body laying in a pool of somebody else's blood. <laughs> yeah, well, in this you movie, who knows? <laughs> she she's crying upset as Hector moves closer I'm not sure how she's not hearing this he's, he's yeah. not <laughs> yeah she takes out earplugs he's a great lumbering beast of a robot isn't he it's, you know yeah the robot suddenly grabs her arm she screams and manages to hit an alarm button it was handily placed wasn't it it was it was outside Adam hears it somehow how does he hear it in a spacesuit? Don't know. Don't know. Because he runs over to control. Hmm. I suppose maybe it's piped in through his helmet or something. His helmet. Yeah. yeah let's yeah. go, we'll with, go that. with that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hector lifts Alex up by her arms and she calls for help. Now, apparently, um, this was done for real. What? They hung her by her arms? Yeah. So when she's screaming in, in terror, she's actually frightened. Oh. Because it was right. hurting. Yeah, what? Mm. Benson runs into the room and orders Hector to put her down, but he won't obey. Benson then suggests that Hector will do as she says, so Alex asks Hector to release her, and he complies. She runs into Benson's arms. It's interesting that she um, runs straight to Benson as well. So at this point, she still trusts him. Yeah, I suppose so, yeah. Adam races back inside. Alex tearfully asks Benson if he's taught Hector 
Ector, Ector, Ector. Ector. Hey up. Ector robots here. <laughs> Alex tearfully asks Benson if he's taught Hector to kill. But he says no, but that Hector wants her just as he does. Ooh. I, I, if I was Alex, I don't know which I'd find more uh, worrying, the fact that Benson wants her or that this great lumbering robot thing wants her. The only reason Hector wants her is because he's been programmed by Benson. Mm. I don't know what Hector would do with her. Well, he doesn't know what he wants to do with her, does he? He just knows he wants her. No. Yeah. Suddenly, Hector reaches for something. Benson pushes Alex away and dives onto the table. But Hector looks... Why? <laughs> Why, why does he do that? Why does he dive on? The table's covered in glass vials and, and machinery, and he just dives onto it, like smashing of it. Why? Well, it's very unlucky that he did choose to dive onto that table because there seems to be a dirty great metal arm uh, dangling above the table, which Hector lowers down, trapping Benson. It reminded me of one of those claw machines you used to see at Blackpool Seaside. Oh, yeah, yeah, it just keeps dropping yeah. him. <laughs> Never could win anything. It was always rubbish at no. those. Rather designed for you to lose, Paul. I, 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 yes, I know. But when you're, when you're six and seven, you don't realise that, do you? Oh, this was only last week, wasn't it? <laughs> you're not far off, actually. Adam runs into the room and comforts Alex. Benson's calling out for help, but Adam takes one look and says, let the robot have him, before running to the exit and closing the door. This is, you think, I mean, you would. You, you would, yeah. You would. Yeah. But here is where Adam redeems himself. He decides that he can't leave the man to die, and he runs back inside to help him. He's a good soul. He's Spartacus at the end of the day, isn't he? No, I'm Spartacus. <laughs> no, I'm Spartacus. <laughs> oh, I'm Spartacus. <laughs> this could go on all night. <laughs> good. Adam sneaks around as Hector is stomping. He watches the robot, then hits a button which causes a door to pop out. <laughs> so the, the doors seem to be Hector's weak points, don't they? Well, let's be honest. You just tip this robot over and you're done, right? <laughs> Pretty much. Really? <laughs> Pretty much. The door pops out, hits Hector, which Frank Spencer's him into the scenery, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it does. Also, why do these doors open like this? Isn't that dangerous for people too? Yeah, they just literally spring out, don't they? Yeah, it's like, but look, look, Paul, Paul's walking down now over there. Look, 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 he's going, yeah, 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 do it, do it, do it, do it. boing. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Paul. The thing is, I would probably fall for it every time. Yeah, every day. Every day, yeah. Adam rushes. And then you get up and go, why you... <laughs> What, shake my fist. Pesky kids. Yeah. yeah. Adam rushes to try and get Benson off the table as Hector starts to rise. Adam helps Benson out before smashing the controls to the door and locking him out. Right. They head back to the command room, which seems to be outfitted in lots of blinking, um, whirring lights of the time. And they watch Hector on the monitor smashing his, or trying to smash his way out of the room. Adam asks Benson what the emergency procedure for all this is, but he doesn't know which surprises Adam. If we weren't in an eclipse, we could call Central, says Benson. And Adam replies, if we were chickens, we could lay eggs. Yeah. It's true. If they were, he could, they could. <laughs> that, yeah. there's, there's nothing wrong with that sentence. It's perfectly it, accurate. It is a very factual sentence. It's just a strange moment in the film. So chickens are still around in the future then? 
in this world there were food is shortage and well maybe he remembers them because don't forget he's 65 <laughs> years old true. <laughs> that is true yes so <laughs> well benson's like chickens what what's he talking about <laughs> <laughs> well alex alex should have been what's a chicken? yeah exactly she's never seen a chicken benson notices that hector is getting low on charge That'll be all those extra apps running and his battery dying, won't it? Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hector goes to recharge and Adam plans to overload him. Hector plugs himself in and Adam hit, hits another switch. Lots of switches that do these things, isn't there? Mm. There's a burst yeah. of sparks and Hector falls to the floor. Dead. Film's over. Unfortunately, that is not the case. Oh. They run back to the other room to find Hector in a smoking heap. Benson says that they'll have no more trouble from him. Great. Adam angrily reels on Benson, telling him that he plans to report him for incompetence. And as the men argue, Hector starts to move. The oh. men struggle with him, and Benson eventually manages to remove the brain. And I say they struggle with him. I mean, they sit on him, basically, don't they? It's like one of those times when you have, like, a puppet attacking you, and it's you holding the puppet yes. on you. Um, like um, in Ed Wood, when he has to wrestle the, uh, the octopus. And he's literally just following yeah, around. There's a, there's a Doctor that. Who moment, isn't there, in Spearhead from Space, where um, John Pertwee's doing that. Oh, I'm sure there's yeah. many Doctor Who moments <laughs> of that. <laughs> yeah. Adam orders Benson to dismantle Hector, but Benson accuses Adam of being a, basically a Luddite, isn't he? Running away from new ideas, just as he ran away from Earth. Yeah. Yes, says Adam, to get away from people like you. That's fair enough. Mm-hmm. Adam and Alex leave. And he gives Alex a history lesson on the fall of Troy and what happened to that Hector. And he says that he always hate, yeah. hated the name Hector. Yeah, and Alex says, great story. Can we leave now? No, she doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Benson starts to dismantle the robot, all the while talking to it about killing him and wanting Alex. He's obsessed. Meanwhile, Alex tells Adam that she thinks Benson is crazy. So she's finally figured it out. Finally, mm -hmm. yeah. And that if he can kill, then Hector can kill. Adam replies that he thought that he could kill too. But he guesses that he's just not up to it. But he wishes that he was. Probably like many things in his life at that point, at that age. You know, he's not quite yeah. up to it, but he wishes that he could. Uh, you keep saying this, but he seems to be healthier and more athletic than either of us put together. <laughs> that is very true. Yes, he is. He's... <laughs> he... You know what? When did he die? He died last year, didn't he? Or the year before? Quite recently he died, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. He was probably fitter six months before he died than what we are now. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Be fitter at 64 than we will be. Definitely. Alex asks, do you think Benson is really taking Hector apart? Either he takes it apart or it takes him apart, replies Adam. No, that's a good line. Yeah, there's two, right? That's the <laughs> second one. Adam gets on the comm and asks Benson how things are going. I have completed the dismantling, replies Benson. But it's clear that he hasn't quite finished yet. Because the head's still attached, no. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's later and we see that Hector's head comes to life. And he starts to control the other robots in the room. How? how? Uh, well, the, the same way that Kit can make a uh, Vaz move. <laughs> <laughs> well thinking about it Hector's already made that um, giant claw thing fall down hasn't he in the previous scene yeah so he, 
He can communicate with the other machines in the. Uh, he's on the same network. Is that it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll go he's with got that. four bars on his Wi-Fi. <laughs> we'll go with that then. We seem to be saying we'll uh, go with that quite a lot in this film, don't we? I'm sure we'll keep saying I'm sure it. We will. I'm sure there'll be more. The robots start to put Hector's body back together. <laughs> the, the, the way that they do it, it's a good job that this is speeded up and a little bit and cut very well because it's, it would take ages to put this robot back together by these other robots. It would, but all that was in my head when I was watching this was, we will build it, we will build it. <laughs> From Bagpuss. <laughs> yeah, it is a bit like that, isn't it? Finally, they reinsert Hector's brain and he comes back to life. Adam and Alex are in bed together again. They spend a lot of time in bed. Right? They do. Adam blames himself for what has happened, saying that he should never have let Benson stay in the first place. Meanwhile, Benson has put on his flight suit and takes all his Tic Tacs in one go. Yeah, they're all different colours and different types. So some are uppers, downers, yeah. left, right. He's, he's completely uh, going to be flying high for the rest of this film, isn't he? Yeah, I have a question for you. If if you were given um, Kirk Douglas's job or Adam's job, I should say, would you do it? Like it seems like a easy life. Oh yeah, it? nobody telling you what to do. Yeah, you just got alcohol available. Mm-hmm. No one nice around. lady with you. Nice lady. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although knowing my luck, she'd probably hate my guts, which would make things very awkward for the number of years that I'm there. It's a big station, though, for just two people. You could have different, like, parts of the station. You could. You could, yes. Yeah, I'd, I'd take the job, wouldn't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it doesn't seem... Mm. Yeah, seems quite nice. Yeah, don't have to deal with people. The odd, the odd killer robot, nope. but, you know. The odd retentive technocrat. That's right. Turning That's up. That's right, yes. <laughs> yeah. Benson suddenly walks into their quarters to tell them that he's leaving. Adam is angry that he's just barged in on them. Yeah, he's like, didn't I tell you about knocking... Mm-hmm. But Benson tells Adam, I'm taking your partner with me. Adam tells him he's crazy. I'm taking command, Benson tells Adam. You're inadequate in every area. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Bit bitchy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Adam suddenly looks... Well, he has been watching him. Yeah, yeah. And he's seen the look on her face when he's... Uh... Yeah, was, like you said, she was mm-hmm. bored, right? Adam suddenly launches himself at Benson... Rolling around on the floor with him, naked. Did you notice also what happens when he's about to launch? He puts his elbow back and he elbows Farrah Fawcett in the <laughs> face. Yeah, he hits her in the face and she goes, oh! I didn't notice that, though. No. <laughs> well, you don't get in the way of Kurt Douglas. No. Adam begins to choke Benson. But Alex drags the naked Adam off of Benson just before he kills him and takes him back to the bed. Why did you stop me? asks Adam. But suddenly Benson is up and he whacks Adam on the head with a metal tube, knocking him unconscious and drags Alex away by the foot. He's going for the caveman routine now. What what was the tube doing laying there? Who knows? Who knows? (laughs) She breaks free and Benson reaches out to grab her again when suddenly a metal arm reaches in from off screen and cuts off Benson's hand. Ooh. Hector is huge, but nobody noticed him lumbering up next to them. Nope, didn't hear him again. (laughs) 
he keeps going after people and they can hear him so Hector's like ah. and then there's just a scene of Hector putting slippers on <laughs> so so he could be really quiet and they're like those bunny slippers or something like comedy slippers kids have shuffling around in them yeah yeah but then he takes his first step and it goes because they're squeaky slippers and he's just like as he's walking down the corridor shaking his head his shoulders just drop <sighs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, that, that would that would be uh, a bit interesting moment, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. It would be, yeah, yeah. Hector lifts Benson off the ground and drags him away by the foot. Later, Adam has recovered, and he and Alex decide to use Benson's ship to escape. They sneak through the corridors, hiding from Hector, who is skulking around. As much as an eight-foot noisy <laughs> robot exactly. can skulk, yeah. but yes. Suddenly, Hector reaches through the ceiling, and they double back as he stalks them from above. You know what this station needs? Tell me. A pointless airlock in the ceiling. Well, you know, there's n- n- you can never get the planning permission when you need it, can you? I guess not. No. You, you, don't forget, you need the um, inconspicuous strips of uh, metal wire to go across the entrance. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 that's true. Collapsing exhausted, Adam says it's no use, but then he has an idea. He grabs a tube and they blast Hector with steam, which confuses him for some reason, but Alex and Adam get separated. He's like, no, not steam. <laughs> I can't do steam. No. <laughs> he can't do much, really, can he? No, no. No. He looks for it frantically, until they ultimately find themselves facing each other down a long corridor with Hector standing in between them. Adam throws a few boxes at Hector, and Alex runs away. They meet back up, but Hector has disappeared. That, that's, how, 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 did this, how did this eight-foot lumbering slow robot just vanish? I know. He's got that stealth mode on again. I told you, you can go invisible. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. And, and run really fast. And run really fast, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but the robot is in the comm room, using the cameras to track them. How did the robot get to the comms room? So quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I know. You don't, don't. Just don't. No. Oh, okay. Adam starts to smash the cameras, and then they remove the floor covering, revealing the soupy pit beneath, which I guess is where the hydroponics stuff is that they're cooking. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's just soup. That's what they make for food. I think I'm just calling it soup through the whole of my notes, to be honest. <laughs> uh. They replace it very, very loosely to create a trap for Hector, using Alex on the other side of the room as bait. Hector arrives, scanning the room, He's suspicious. He wasn't born yesterday. Well, no, day before, right? But also, she's like, oh, hello, Hector. Woo, come and get me, Hector. Woo, you look a big boy, Hector. <laughs> Hector's like, hold on a second. <laughs> You've been running away from me for quite some time. Suddenly, you're all over me like a rash. Now, I am beginning to suspect you're up to no good, lady. Even that, or it's the slippers. Yeah, he looks dead. <laughs> yeah, like my slippers. Yeah. So as you said, Alex tells him to come in. But Hector is smart. He picks up a rock and he drops it onto the floor, revealing the trap. He reels on Alex when Adam uses a crane to knock the robot over into the soupy pit. 
So he knocked him over again. Knocked him over it's the same thing he did earlier <laughs> it is. in the film. It is, yes. <laughs> they run, and we get a shot of Hector climbing out, covered in what looks like snot. I thought it was like soap, like bubbles. <laughs> like, like, like matey. It do, yeah, it does look a bit like that, yeah, when it's got a little bit congealed, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. probably what they used. I mean, it was shot in England. That's true. Yeah, maybe. Alex and Adam climb into space suits and head for the ship, when suddenly Hector hits a switch and the ship explodes. So they go back inside. Yeah, yeah. Why would you have an abort button on a... Like, you have abort buttons for missiles and things, but you don't usually have abort buttons in control centers for shuttles that have people in them. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense, does it? I can, I can no. understand if the button exploded maybe the pad that, that the ship's resting on. Right. But even then, why, why would it have it? Yeah. yeah. Later, Adam muses that Hector seems not to want them dead. Maybe he's got another purpose for them. Well, we know what his purpose is for Alex, but what would he want with Adam? I guess his thoughts, his I mind. guess so, yeah. 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 They go back to the control room and find that Hector has fixed all the cameras onto them. Yes, he has. Yeah. Smart, see? Alex tells him it's hopeless, but Adam reassures her, saying that he promises that she'll still get her trip to Earth. You know, that place that rusts your tubes if you try and breathe. That's the one, yeah. Oh, lovely. Can't wait. But they've still got chickens, so, you know, that's something to look forward to. She doesn't know what they are, pal. Well, she'll, she'll soon will. <laughs> Suddenly, Benson's face appears on the monitors and starts to talk to them through the comms. He tells them that Hector and he have come to a arrangement. Mm-hmm. He guides them through the complex, telling them that he'll come to an arrangement with them also. They run, with doors closing all around them until they are confronted by Hector, who now seems to be wearing Benson's head. Yeah, I I assume this is supposed to be horrifying, but it made me laugh. (laughs) It made me laugh as well. (laughs) It's like a silence of the lambs. Mm. Because it's kind of half on, half off, isn't it? Well, yeah, it has to be half off so he can put his little eye things Mm. and still see where he's Mm -hmm. going. I just just got visions of him trying it on going, ooh, does does my head look big in this? (laughs) She's just tried it out. But when, when Benson's face appears on the TV screen and talks to them, it, it's just Harvey Keitel as normal, isn't it? It's not... Ah, but that's, that's electronic interpretation Is it? of Benson's Is it? Oh, face. Okay, yeah. all right, okay. Oh. Oh. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> anyway, anyway, we, we, we fade out. We cut to space and a ship and two pilots flying towards Saturn as the eclipse ends. Back at the base, Alex awakes, now in uniform of some kind. He's a bit confused and realises that he now has the interface implant in his own skull. So Hector put the implant in and Hector dressed him? I guess so, yeah. All right. Because, you know, he's That's nice. He's, he's very limber with those metal claws that he's got. <laughs> also, he's concerned about human nudity. Yeah, and if you even if you if if you sort of implied that he's got that from Benson, I can't imagine Benson would be bothered about human nudity either. No, no. especially not Alex's. Mm. Right, that's true. Benson stroke Hector. He's now speaking. Does he? <laughs> oh, I see what you did. I'll tell you. I'm, <laughs> I see what you. I, I'm just going to say Hector's voice, but but Hector. it's actually yeah, Benson's just say voice. Hector. 
Hector's voice comes through the comms, telling him his orders for the day. But he's frantic about Alex. Adam is. She wakes in another room, and Hector gives her her orders. The ship calls the base, but Hector fakes a reply in Adam's voice, as Adam and Alex can only watch and listen. Happy with everything, the ship flies away. They ask to talk to her, mm-hmm. and Hector does her voice, but it's a very stilted conversation because the pilots sound like they usually have a nice natter with yeah. them, don't they? Yeah. Because they're like, oh, it is, is she there? You know, the one? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, let's talk to her. And then she's just like, yes, everything is fine here. I, I kept thinking that maybe when Hector was doing the, all the different voices, he was doing like a Mike Yarwood and throwing wigs on as he was doing it. <laughs> just, or he's using his hands. Yeah. <laughs> Like one hand is her and the other hand is uh, Adam. <laughs> He's doing the like a like a puppet yeah, thing. Yeah, the doors are. The- yeah, he just he just got it, that head on top of it. The doors open. He's just like stood there wearing slippers. He's got Benson's head on his own head, <laughs> and he's doing hand puppets. <laughs> Starts going into a Maggie Thatcher voice. yeah but every time every time he does a voice he says the name of who he's doing just in case you don't (laughs) get it (laughs) because they all say the same (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. i'm doing adam now this is adam (laughs) well you think what it'd be funny if um when he when he's doing alex he he puts on one of those monty python female voices (laughs) (laughs) yes everything is fine (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> those pilots are like yeah that's definitely uh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah oh, oh you pilots you naughty boys <laughs> anyway the doors open and hector threatens them that if they don't comply he can kill them in a heartbeat they reunite in the corridor and adam tells her to go in alone he kisses her and she notices the interface in his head and she's horrified by this yeah i'm guessing he hasn't put one in her head then no, that's why uh, Adam feels the back of her head yeah. and then it looks relieved. Mm-hmm. She goes into the lab alone and Adam takes a piece of equipment from the wall. Inside the lab, mm-hmm. Hector talks to Alex using Adam's voice, telling her that he never liked the name Hector and he repeats the story about Troy that she heard earlier. Yeah, she's like, oh my God, he's doing it now. He's just as boring as Adam. Yeah, it was. I didn't enjoy it the first time round. No. He prefers the name Adam now, Hector, as well. Not not very inventive, is he? No. Alex asks that Hector stop using them, but he says that that would be difficult, as he is now everyone, and he starts to go in and out of everyone's voices. Ooh, freaky. Adam arrives, telling Hector that he is in command here, which Hector takes offence to. Alex runs to Adam, but he pushes her away. Hector approaches holding the interface rod out in his hand. That's right, he wants to interface with Adam. He does? Well, with that 60-odd-year-old body, who wouldn't? Clearly you want to, jeez. (laughs) Each time he goes to insert it into Adam's head, Adam stalls him, saying that it's nobody's fault. It's everyone's fault. Why is he stalling him? I know, if he's going to do it, he might as well just do it now, isn't he? What he does in a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Suddenly Adam spins around, clutching the piece of equipment he removed from the wall, and in slow motion grabs Hector. They both topple into the soup pit, and there's an explosion, 
Pieces of Hector and Adam blast upwards. They're gone. Ah, but they blast upwards in slow motion for about two days. They do. <laughs> also, why does he f- jump in with the bomb and Hector? Mm. Why doesn't he just push Hector and throw the bomb in with Hector or stick it in Hector's machinery and push Hector? He doesn't have to die. He doesn't, no. Maybe he's just thinking, I'm obsolete. I'm going to do something meaningful. It's a bit short-sighted, I know. Yeah, it's not, it's not a great... I mean, it's not, it's not like he couldn't have just pushed him, like you say, is it? I mean, <laughs> I know, he's been, he's been knocking him over throughout the entire film. <laughs> I, know, I know. But anyway, we cut to another spaceship, which is another interesting design, and this appears to be a passenger ship of some kind. This did make me think of 2001. Definitely. You know, the opening, where the, yeah, he's absolutely. waiting to meet the chef. Yeah. Absolutely. Alex, now with a new hairdo, looks out of the window at the planet Earth. She's finally going to see it. Why is the music ominous, like something bad's about to happen at this point? It is, and I was waiting for a reveal that maybe she did have an implant in, or there was a piece of Hector on the ship somewhere, or something stupid like that. Close past the window. (laughs) (laughs) Just a finger, a a hand giving her the finger as it floats past the window. (laughs) Yeah. But there's there's nothing. There's nothing, no. So it doesn't deserve that kind of sound. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And as the shuttle disengages from the main part of the ship and heads for the planet Earth, the music swells, and that's the end of Saturn 3. Yeah. Roll on Saturn 4. I am surprised that nobody's tried to remake this, you know. Yeah. Because there is a movie here, I think. So, Paul, what did you think of Saturn 3? You can just tell that this movie had problems, can't you? It shows in every frame. Um, both Farrah Fawcett and Harvey Keitel look like they want to be someplace else, any place else other than here. The script's all over the place. Um it's got half-conceived ideas and plot threads that don't go anywhere. Yep. Why does Benson kill the pilot and the command and, and commandeer the mission? What's his motive for doing all this? Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> it's just, uh, there's just nuts. Yeah. That's the only thing they could say in it. It's, it's just, just nuts. nuts. Yeah. I'd like to have seen the theme of old age and the feeling of becoming obsolete explored a little bit more than it is it's a good idea and it doesn't go anywhere yeah adam in particular his character motivations seem to be all over the place at times but you know having said all that there is something about this film that i do like it looks good they make good use of the sets for what they are and i I said before i do like that 1970s sci-fi feel that you get in this movies and, and and movies like logan's run silent running those kind of films. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's atmospheric at times, and I think that the music adds a lot to that. I like the synth mm-hmm. bits in the music. I think they're really good. I think Hector... Hector's weird. He's one of those... He is rubbish. But there's something about that towering, hulking robot body with a tiny little head on it that is a bit weird and disturbing. Um, right. And sometimes he has got more personality than some of his human co-stars, I think. <laughs> um, I'd love a, a Hector action figure. <laughs> I would. Really? And it's got a really good bleak ending. 
that makes no sense, but kind of fits with the rest of the film because none of it makes any sense, really. Right. It, is it a hit? Um, you know, I think I say yeah. I think it is a hit for me. So what about you? Where, where, where do you stand? There's definitely a kernel of a good film here, mm-hmm. a good idea, buried deep, very deep. I would love to have seen the original script mm-hmm. to see what themes that had. That sounds like it was very different. Yeah, like you said, it it does look good. I mean, some of the effects are a bit ropey, but the actual design of everything yeah. is nice. Yeah, the robot's a little silly. I think when it's standing still, and I think this is why you would like it as an action figure, when it's standing still, it looks great. But when it tries moving or doing anything, <laughs> yeah. it's terrible. It doesn't quite Because work. the things that it has to do, it can't, it just can't manage them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hervey Keitel and Farrah Fawcett are not that great in it, but Kirk Douglas is good in it. He is. Obviously, you can see scenes that he's gone, well, I want to do this. Mm-hmm. I want to strip off and show like I'm 64, but I can still do this. But it, he's still good at it. You know, he's still watchable and carries the film, really, in some mm. way. He was quite enthusiastic about this film, apparently, going in. He, he, he really wanted to do it. Wonder what he thought about it afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> well, he liked the clothes, as we said. So can't say that I hated it in any way. That I've watched it a few times, so I must get something from yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, is it a hit? I got a feeling for you, it's a hit, but it's only just a hit. Mm. It just gets there, right? right? Yeah. So for me, I'm going to say it just falls short oh, for me. Okay. But it's close. Yeah, it's close, and I don't, I don't begrudge you. And think you're a weirdo for saying it's a hit, unlike certain other films. <laughs> yeah, we won't. That we've talked about. I can, I can definitely, you know, understand where you're coming from with this film. Oh, okay. Um, but for, for me, it's a miss. Okay. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe and rate us wherever you download this podcast. And thank you to our current Patreon supporters. And you can also listen to the themes and the songs from the various films and TV shows that we review on our Spotify playlist. So until next time, goodbye. Bye.